Hello, welcome to Practicing Life Podcast with me, your host, Ashley Pitzer. I am a powerful ascension coach, a dual certified hypnotist, and a best-selling fantasy author, as well as a psychic oracle card reader and a channeler. Every day, I work with clients who are seeking to have a better quality of life. I assist seekers to eliminate undesirable past programming, to stop their self-sabotaging behavior, and remove limited thinking. I teach you to honor yourself and to trust your inner knowing. I bring you back to your heart and I bridge you between this reality and the spiritual realm. If you are ready to discover who you are and your greatest potential, then stay tuned. Or reach out to me for one-on-one coaching. Now, let's align your mind, body, and spirit and celebrate you because you matter. Hello, everyone. This is Ashley with Practicing Live Podcast. All right. So today, fear. Oh, we all know it. We pretty much don't like it. So let's talk about it. What is it? How does it work? How do we get rid of it? All right. So first of all, whether you know this or not, I'm going to just state it. Fear controls you. One of the things that you've probably heard me say, other people say, is that what you want is on the other side of fear. Almost always that is the case. Sometimes in my magical brain, I think about fear being the gatekeeper, like in Ghostbusters or something. <laughs> like, um, that's what gatekeeper made me think of as Ghostbusters. But I think about it almost as like the entrance fee. You have to give up your fear to get through the other side. So this is just one of my perspectives on it. Fear is a brain-based habit. And fear comes from the oldest part of your brain, which is known as like the reptilian brain. Some people call this the lizard brain, reptilian brain, whatever you like to address it as. But this is kind of the back part of your brain, which is meant for survival. And you have heard this before, like we don't live in a society where you're going to be attacked by animals. We are in a different type of world, but the brain still operates in this mechanism. But the fear that you most likely are facing today is a social fear. So first of all, let's keep with the brain. You have your prefrontal cortex. So this part of your brain is your analytical brain. This is the part of the brain that most of us like to rely on. We hold super fast and trust the analytical brain. We trust it so much that we get into overthinking as if it's going to solve all of our problems. Prefrontal is your conscious analytical brain. Your reptilian brain is your subconscious, your... uh, unconscious, if you will, part of your brain that controls the automatic system. So there's two parts to that. There's your sympathetic system and there's your parasympathetic system. Then you also have another part of your brain, which, you know, we'll call the mandolin brain or the lymphatic brain. But this is where a lot of your emotions come from, but it all works together. So within your reptilian brain, you have your amygdala. This is the almond shape part of your brain. And this is where fear is 
really housed. So it's where arousal comes in. It's where your hormone responses come in. It's also where memories are. This makes it super interesting because this is why fear is brain-based. Because when you have an experience, a high emotional experience, where you have a physiological stress response or anxiety response, memories are created and stored in your brain, in your amygdala. So anytime that you are about to do something, these embedded memories are going to surface, whether they are conscious or unconscious, they're going to surface and your brain is automatically going to respond, flooding your system with hormones, creating the stress response, such as your rapid heart rate, um, sweating, your palms getting clammy. So it's automatically going to flood all of the hormones, your adrenalines. It's going to work through your pituitary gland, and it's going to create a physiological response in your body. And at the same time, it's going to bring up memories to your prefrontal cortex. And all of a sudden, you're shut down. You're shut down because there's so much overload happening within your body. Your, your conscious part, that's the analytical part that's making all the decisions, all of a sudden has memories. And if you really get quiet and set with it, you can, you can address those memories. But most of those times, you're not even aware that those memories are coming up to the surface and they happen so fast and they happen like in a nanosecond. So sometimes it's really, really hard to pinpoint like why you are suddenly having this response to something. So in, in a present moment, you're pulling up a past experience where you had a physiological response and your body is immediately bringing that to the present because you have the sensory is associated with that memory. So bam, it's there. And now you're in the present and now your conscious brain, the analytical part of your brain is registering all of these red flags. Hey, I had this unconscious memory of a bad experience. I experienced pain. I also have the flood of emotions. Don't like that too much. And then it becomes hard to work through the fear. And the fear stops you. This is what pretty much happens to the majority of people. So when you have a past memory that is retrieved in a present situation, your past starts to control your future. Now, you've probably heard me in past podcasts talk to you about your past doesn't have to predict your future. It doesn't. It doesn't. This is also one of the reasons why we talk about be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have trained your brain through body responses because your amygdala is giving your body a response. And then your conscious analytical brain is saying, oh, don't like that. I am perceiving a perceived threat. Not going to do this, right? So you have to retrain your brain and also start to retrain your body's response to something because your amygdala is honestly a reflex. It happens automatically, but it can be reprogrammed. This is what I do in hypnosis. This is what I do in coaching. But I'm going to talk to you now on what you can do for yourself. It may take longer. 
but it still works. So let's just talk about the fact that fear can happen anytime, anywhere. It's not like you pre-plan to get into fear, but it can happen on anything. Now, some scientists, psychological people, they'll tell you, I'm so official, right? Psychological people. Um, but some people will tell you that you can have a stress response without being in fear. In the worlds that I work in for coaching and dealing with hypnosis, we can always pinpoint a stress response to a fear. I'm going to give you an example on me. I don't like Starbucks. I'm sorry for all of you that do. I don't think it tastes very good, but I've constantly given it tries because so many people rave about it. Ordering at Starbucks is one of the reasons I probably don't try it as much as I could because it overwhelms me. All of a sudden, they're asking me 15 different choices of what type of milk product I want in there. Do I want goat milk, almond milk, rice milk, right? They're throwing all of these things in here. Do I want a grande, whatever all the words are? Do I want an espresso, double espresso? Do I want it to be regular? Do I want cream? Do I want this? Do I want cinnamon on it? Like all of these choices and I get into overwhelm and you think, well, overwhelm, that's just a, that's just a stress response. There's no fear there. Is that really the case? Is overwhelmed just simply overwhelmed that you're feeling stressed about? Or can you identify a fear associated with it? Now, maybe it's because I do coaching and my job is to get to the root of things. And so I dig more than just your surface level. Because in your surface level, you just be like, yeah, that's a lot of choices. I can understand you being overwhelmed. But what is really happening there? What's really happening is I'm like, oh my gosh. I need more time to process this. I'm holding up the line. I can't figure out what I want in a time efficient manner. So now I have the scarcity of time. I have the fear of judgment of people getting upset behind me in line that I am taking too long. I have the fear of making the wrong choice. There's so much more to it than just, oh, I feel overwhelmed, but we've gotten into the habit as a society of just, we label something, we acknowledge it, we move on. We don't dig deep. So that's part of my job as a coach is helping people to dig deep. And so it's an automatic trait within me, but I just want to tell you that fear can happen anytime, anywhere. It's not on a schedule and it doesn't have to be just one type of thing. So there's phobias and phobias is a type of fear. But there's more, more exposure to fear than just phobias. The point is, is despite it happening anytime, anywhere that you could be susceptible to it, it's also a choice. That feels kind of hard to hear. Why is it a choice if it's an automatic reflex? Well, it's a choice because it's something that you continue to do without fixing and this is one of the things that I have to work with people on because when they have, let's say they have social anxiety, that's something a lot of people have. In fact, it's becoming more predominant the more we are technology-based because we have less interactions with people. So when you actually have to deal face-to-face -face interactions with people, it becomes uncomfortable because you're out of practice. So social anxiety, it starts off really small. And then it stacks and it builds and it builds until it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. That is actually, in a way, a choice because you're not addressing 
the issues. You're not solving the problem. You're ignoring the problem. And then a new habit gets stacked on top of that habit. And then you ignore that. And so it just keeps building. And the thing about it is, is you're not creating a command within your body and you're not doing the work to counteract it. Also, people find that the, they put themselves in stress by the world that we live in, watching the news. The whole reason that the news is so successful is because they're driving on your fear. So you're putting yourself into fear sometimes, and then you're also choosing fear when you don't address the problem. If your car had a flat tire and you ignored it, and you got in the car and drove, and things went sideways for you, whether that's physical or metaphysical, you would have some thoughts about, well, I should have addressed the flat tire before I started moving forward. But we don't do this with fear. We don't do this with self-doubt. Fear is associated with some type of pain. All right. So there is the type of fear that is a good response. And that is when you are in danger, you know, like somebody was holding up the bank and you were in the bank, you, your life is in danger. You need to respond. You need to have those physiological responses because when you get flooded with emotions, your hearing improves, your reflexes of how quickly you can move improves the ability to adapt improves. You need those when you are in physical danger. They are meant to be there, but we have trained our body and our mind that social fears and perceived fears are the same thing as being in danger. And it's just not the case. And really most of you can't get to the life that you really want to have because that fear feels so real to you. The body responses to the fear are real. That's not a joke. That's real. But you can work through those things. So I say fear is a choice, but I'm also going to tell you that fear comes from your unconscious part of your brain. So fear is always going to pop up. It's always going to be there. But once it pops up and once you become aware of it, that's in your prefrontal cortex. That's where your analytical brain is. That's where you can actually take control of your fear. That's where fear becomes a choice. And until you train your body not to have those automatic responses, which are going to happen, even if you're the best person at training your body, they're going to keep popping up. Just to repeat, it's an automatic response, a reflex. And it comes from your amygdala. The amygdala drives memories, hormones, and we're not just talking about the hormones to be able to hear and see and move quicker, but the hormone of dopamine, which is associated with reward. This is why fear is so messed up sometimes, because not only do you have the fear that comes with, um, this is bad, this is negative, but then you also in your amygdala have the fear associated with rewards. And it's a rewards for achieving something, motivation and reinforcement. This is why fear becomes a habit. 
some of the things that we coach people on. Let's talk about money mindset. You have a scarcity mindset. So there's two ways people have this. One, they go to spend money and it creates a fear response within them. And then there's a dopamine hit when they don't spend the money. There's a reward. Oh, you didn't spend the money. You are safe now. Congratulations. Pat on your back. The other response people have is, oh my gosh, I have money. I identify myself as somebody who doesn't have money. I got to get rid of this money as fast as possible because it's not safe for me to have money, right? They, they spend the money right away. They get what they want. They buy that $40,000 car. You know, they go and gamble $2,000, whatever it is. They get their dopamine hit. So this is why fear becomes a habit because you have an emotional response that you like having. There's a dopamine hit that it reinforces it. You want to have it. You can get addicted to this. So let's talk about overcoming this. One, awareness. Awareness is like the secret to life. Okay, like in my opinion, I think awareness is like a superpower. It is so phenomenal. Thank you, awareness. You need awareness to create any change in your life. So what I want you to do, step one, awareness, is when you come into fear, start off with identifying how you feel. You're going to have an anxiety response or a stress response. It's not going to be very much work. All you have to do is acknowledge, okay, my cheeks are getting really hot. My heartbeat is in my throat. You know, um, I feel sweaty all over. I feel like the room is getting smaller on me. Notice your physiological responses. That's going to be step one. Okay, so these, this is your body. Responding is a habit, a perceived threat. And again, these perceived threats, like I said, is social. To me, in my world, they're associated with a fear. So if you can get to what are you really afraid of? What is really scaring you? For a lot of people, it's a handful of things. It can be narrowed down very simply to fear of judgment, fear of failure, scarcity, a fear of not being good enough. So these are some of the common fears that people have. All right. So once you identify what you're actually feeling, I want you to do step two, which is to calm your nerves. So calming your nerves, breathing is a super helpful thing. You know, you're not going to be able to pop into yoga anywhere and everywhere, but you can breathe no matter where you are. Count your breaths. Slow your breath down. Turn your focus inward. So now we know what our heart rate is and we know what's going on, but you can close your eyes and even take a moment to see where your fear is hitting you in your body. For me, it usually hits in my chest, my chest or my throat. My throat will get constricted. Other people are different. They might feel it in their gut. They could feel their gut clenching. You know, some people start getting tension headaches. So start feeling where it is in your body and then breathe. Send love, like energetically closing your eyes and just saying like, hey, I love you. We're okay. 
giving yourself that reassurance. So step two is calm your central nervous system. You can do that by breathing. You can do that by closing your eyes and sending love to the places that are starting to have reactions. You can also do this by visualizing, even visualizing a past memory to counteract the memory that you may not be aware of that you're having. I love to think about vacation. <laughs> it's like in Lamaze class, for those of you who have had children, they say, go to your happy place. And I was like, all right, well, then I'm floating, you know, in water somewhere, all right? So even pulling up a memory where you felt safe, where you felt happy is going to help calm your central nervous system. Step three is going to be optional. Some people need this, some people don't. Dismiss your fear, reject it verbally. Give it a command. Stop it, Ashley. I don't want to have this thought anymore. That's an example. So why do I say this is optional? Because the fourth step is replacing, replacing the fear by moving your attention. And I want you to replace it with asking yourself, what do you want to believe right now? And then hold on to that. So some people, I'm going to relate this to, to kids right now. For those of you who are parents, this will make sense. If you have a kid and they're in a grocery store and they want something, you can move their attention sometimes and that is sufficient. You can be like, no, we need to go down this aisle and check out. And they'll just follow along. Other kids are going to be more insistent and they're going to be like, okay, well, I'll follow you along. And when we get to the end of this aisle, I'm going to ask you again. And I'm going to ask you when you're in the, the checkout line. And I'm going to ask you when we walk out to the car. And I'm going to ask you when we get in the car. And I'm going to get more and more upset about it the more you ignore me. So that's my step three is optional. Some people can move their attention. And if it's something that isn't really nagging them, their mind isn't nagging them, they can move that attention and they can go on. But if you find, like, especially from those of you who have fear over uh, not being able to lose weight, fear over people calling you names because of your weight, whatever it may be. And so you have a story in your head and then you go to get something to eat. And then you're saying, wait, wait, I shouldn't be eating this food. You have to dismiss it a lot of times because if you walk away, your habit voice, that's what we call it, the habit voice, is going to keep nagging. It's going to be like, but you want those cookies. I know you're full, but having another you know, jar of ice cream sounds really fantastic. Another bowl of ice cream, right? So it will keep nagging you. And if that's the case, dismiss it just like you would a child. Because it's coming from the reptilian part of your brain. It may be the oldest part of your brain, but it is the child part of your brain. It is the part that acts like an, a toddler. Dismiss it. That's enough. I'm done with this. Then you move your attention. What do you want to believe? So step four, half of what I do in coaching, what do you want to believe? How do we have to change things for you in order to get what you want to believe? What energy work do we need to do? What brain training do we need to do to help you achieve that? You may not have that piece of it, but you can still move your attention. Maybe you don't know what you want. All right, move it to something else. Whatever it is you like. Move it to the episode that you were watching last night on TV. Move it to the conversation that you enjoyed having the other day. Whatever it may be, 
moving on to the fact that you can't wait to get out of here and go do XYZ. Whatever you need to do, move your attention. Now, if you're the person that gets a lot of fear and anxiety, so I'm using those two interchangeably right now, but if you have a lot of anxiety over your next steps, like you're working on a project and it starts to feel overwhelming, break it down. Only think about the next step. Don't think about the 10 steps, the 12 steps. Don't think about what your boss is going to say. Focus on what is right in front of you and what you can do right now. Half the time, all I want you to do is think about what is the one thing I can do right now that moves me closer to my goal and let everything else settle. Trust, trust that it's all going to work out and focus on that one thing. Cause when you start getting the anxiety and you start thinking all of this big picture and you start thinking about all of these problems, you're not helping yourself. You're getting into fear and fear is going to stop you from achieving your goals. Bring it in. Focus on one thing. You know, as they say, don't eat the elephant all at once. <laughs> Such a weird saying. Okay, so this is just a reminder that your brain is plastic. This is how you retrain your brain. When you make this a habit and you do this over and over and over, starting with step one, you become aware, you acknowledge it, you label it. Step two, you calm your central nervous system. You know, step three, if needed, you dismiss it. Step four, you replace it with what you want to believe, what you want to think about. When you do that over and over and over, it retrains your brain with time. I mean, it takes time and it takes consistency. That's two ingredients that you can't miss. It would be like trying to make cookies without putting flour in it and sugar. You have to have those two ingredients. They're mandatory, absolutely mandatory. Have to be every single time. You can't make the cookies without those two things. You cannot change your brain without consistency and doing it over time. Okay? So your brain is plastic and it will see, like if you have the social anxiety, it will see, oh, okay, you know, Ashley constantly comes into breathing exercises, calms down, and moves her attention consistently to this. And your brain will start to build new neural pathways. Now, the old pathways are always going to be there. They might be broken down. They might have grass growing on them, but they're still there. So this is why it's like a, a long-term commitment to do this type of behavior, but it becomes easier. It becomes faster. It becomes automatic. And you'll notice that it doesn't pop up nearly as much. Like if you have 10 anxiety responses a day, you'll get to a point where you might not have one for like a week, a month, two months. You can get it to where it's so seldom that it happens. Now, fear, they say, stands for false expectations appearing real. This is one of the things I talk about a lot. Fear is an illusion. <laughs> yes, does your amygdala that's coming from your subconscious reptilian old part of your brain pop up to the fact that like, you know, you've got a past memory coming forward that floods you with a stress response. Does that happen? Yeah. Can you retrain your brain so that happens fewer and fewer times? Yeah. But Fear is still an illusion because 
half the time, the majority of the time, it's, it's about something that hasn't even happened yet. All right. So they say that babies, they say, like scientists say that babies are only born with two fears. So when you come into the world, you come in the world with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of sounds. So most of the fears that you are growing up with have been taught to you. You you have been trained to have these type of responses. And now that you're an adult, you're just training yourself by not addressing the fear and letting those fears stack, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. But most fears are future concerns where you expect a negative outcome. They're just thoughts. They're just thoughts, but that's how powerful your brain is. And this is why I love hypnosis. Because when you get your brain into an alpha state and you allow your brain to be suggest, give, give suggestions about what you really want to do, how you want to feel in these situations, it's so impactful. You can still train your brain doing this as everything comes up, addressing it consistently, repetitively over time. You can still do this without spending the money to go to a hypnosis. Okay, so just think about this. When you get into fear, when you start getting those physiological responses, can you identify the root of the fear? Is it about a future situation? Is it a perceived threat? Are you really in danger? Perceived is a fear of rejection, fear of not being good enough, fear of abandonment, judgment. Judgment, judgment, judgment. So many people fear that. All right. So the fact is, if something hasn't happened yet, it's not reality yet. You can control your thoughts. That's a choice that you have. A lot of people say, well, I know that this is going to happen. Is it? How do you know that? I mean, are you a fortune teller? Or is it because you're living based on your past? And where does fear come from? A past memory coming forward. Do you want to continue to live in your past? I certainly don't. I mean, there's some memories, okay? Yeah, I would. (laughs) And, you know, I'll keep those. I'm not willing to change those. But for the ones that I don't want to live, I don't want to repeat my past, then I'm going to do the work to change. And that's what I'm asking you to do. Are you willing to do that for yourself? Are you willing to separate yourself from your past and have a different future for you? One that you want? This is the work. This is what it takes. So a lot of fear is self-created. It's by the thoughts that you're choosing to think. It's because you haven't done the work to heal from your past pains. It's because you're allowing these past pains to repeat themselves over and over, getting stronger and more and more reinforced. Your brain is super powerful. Your thoughts are super powerful. The words you speak are super powerful. And the choice is yours. You have your four steps. Let me know how this resonates with you. And you matter. Oh, and 
I'm going to sign off here. But our next week's episode, I'm super excited. I interviewed Janice Chap, and she is a former alcoholic, former drug addiction person, recovered. I don't know how you say this, so I apologize, Janice. Um, but anyway, she has a business now where she helps people who have been in her situation that are trying to get out because she got out. She knows what it's like. And so I interviewed her. It's a really great interview. I hope you enjoy it. And, you know, I will have her contact information in the social notes. So if there's somebody that you want to listen to this, you know, you may offer it to them. It's up to them whether or not they want to listen to it. They can always reach out to her on Facebook. But, you know, the point is, is there's so much suffering in this world. And we can become attached to suffering. Part of the work that I do is helping people let go of that suffering. Now, I do it through coaching and I do it through hypnosis and I do it through my fabulous books that I write on my fantasy novels. But I want you to have an amazing life. And I know it is possible. But addictions are just a different type of fear. They're a coping mechanism most often towards feel fear. So you don't have to feel something. You don't have to deal with something. All right. I hope you enjoy this next week's episode. I'll see you next time. You matter. Thank you for staying with me to the end of the podcast. My intention is for you to receive valuable content that leads you to create the life you desire. I certainly love sharing my gifts with you. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with your friends and loved ones if you found value in it? Also, it would be so helpful if you could leave a five-star review on Apple. I would greatly appreciate it. If you would like to be interviewed on this podcast, if you have a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you would like to work one-on-one -on -one with me, then DM me on my socials. Everything you need to find me is in the show notes. Make it a great day.